It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 you are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Did you call game? I call game. Okay. Gilbert, fade away. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the Locked on Wizards podcast. Ben Standick here. Hope you guys had a great Labor Day weekend. Hope it was more leisure than labor. Uh, whatever you were doing, it is, I can't believe it, it, it's not, I always look at the calendar. What are the best days of the year? What are the worst days of the year? I'm going to say that Tuesday after Labor Day ranks very high among the worst days of the year, especially if you live in the D.C. area and you know Traffic for the last couple months, not bad, right? I mean, obviously, it can be a nightmare on the Beltway and all that, but no school, people are on vacation. And tomorrow, on Tuesday, it's going to hit like a ton of bricks. Everybody's back. Everybody's in a hurry. And just hang in there. But that's why you listen to podcasts. That's why you, you, you subscribe to the Locked on Wizards podcast on iTunes or anywhere else you do your podcasting. So we'll help you get through the commute and... uh on this here podcast, uh, I talked to one of my Locked On brethren, Jeff Garcia. He is the host of the Locked On Spurs podcast. Now, I know the Wizards and the Spurs, not exactly natural rivals, but Jeff, I was on Jeff's podcast last year and uh, was looking for somebody to talk some NBA, and he was like, hey, let's do this. So we went back and forth asking each other questions, uh, obviously me about the Spurs, him about the Wizards, and we got into some other NBA uh, topics as well, covered some other teams, some other situations, how the West has changed, the East as a whole, uh, John Wall, what have you. So a fun conversation. I'll play that for you in just a second. Uh, we've, I, you know, what's weird. It's, it's now September 4th. I, we still don't know when the Wizards training camp is technically or officially starting. They have not at this moment put out, uh, an update. By the way, they also still have not said, Who's replacing Phil Chenier? I've heard things. I've heard rumors. Nothing yet official. So I'm curious if that happens in the next day or so. Uh, once you get back from the break, I will say if the rumors that I've heard are true, it's going to be a very interesting, a very interesting call. Uh, a very, uh, I'll just leave it at that. A very interesting call. Uh, and somewhat of a groundbreaking call, potentially, depending on how one views it, but a good, but also a good one. Uh, potential, hopefully as well. Wasn't really meaning to tease you guys with that, but it's not my place to say. Anywho, um, before we get into the podcast here with uh, Jeff Garcia from the Locked on Spurs, and of course, you can subscribe to the Locked on Spurs po podcast as well as any of the other podcasts on the Locked on Sports Network. Uh, ju just a quick word here from our sponsor for this podcast, 
SeatGeek, you guys have heard me talk about this before. SeatGeek makes the whole buying and selling tickets pretty easy. Now, obviously, we're talking here about the Locked on Wizards, but starting this week, the, the NFL's regular season starts. For those in the D.C. area, the Redskins, of course, playing week one at home against the Philadelphia Eagles. They've kind of had a weird schedule this year, the uh the Redskins, it's a lot of every other week at home or away. But either way, uh, there's going to be a lot of games that I'm sure people will want to uh, get tickets for. Check out SeatGeek. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at all the best prices and fully guaranteed. So whether you want to get uh, on that lower bowl, get close to the action, maybe you want to Go up, go up a little bit higher so you can spend, I don't know, spend some other money on, uh, I don't know, what, whatever you're doing tailgating. SeatGeek has the deal for you. Now, you've got to get the SeatGeek app on your phone. And from what I've been able to find, it's a pretty easiest way, if not the easiest way, to shop for tickets. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. You get the most bang for your buck because SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Now, here's what you need to do for listeners of this here podcast. Download that SeatGeek app, then enter promo code LONBA, as in locked on NBA. Do that, and you will get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Now, of course, so whether that's buying tickets for the Redskins or, hey, the Wizards start next month, opening night against the Philadelphia 76ers and 40 other home games after that. You can start planning as well by buying tickets there. So check out SeatGeek today. All right, so let's get to the podcast. I will say this. I don't quite know what happened, but a little bit got cut off at the top. It was just sort of the intro pleasantries. I was asking, uh, I was sort of setting up the podcast, which I've not just done with you guys. Jeff and I went back and forth asking some questions. And I was also asking him how he's been sort of dealing with this sort of lull in the in the true offseason right now and that's kind of where we pick up uh with, with him explaining uh kind of what's been going on in Spurs land of late and then things will go on from there so sorry uh, about that but you don't know what you're missing and it wasn't much and all the good stuff is going to follow here so here we go my conversation with Jeff Garcia from the Locked On Spurs podcast you can follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff G Spurs Zone you can follow me at Ben Standing all right here we go Wizards, Spurs, NBA talk, myself and Jeff Garcia from Locked on Spurs. The big news that perhaps uh, for this week is that Danny Green did a uh, interview with a uh, French outlet, and I think he let the cat out of the bag, and Tony Parker is coming a lot sooner to the court than originally expected off that quad injury that pretty much needed a surgery and ended his uh, season prematurely. So that's been huge. Um, at least this week. So yeah, I mean, I've been busy. Uh, there, Kawhi Leonard, of course, going to China. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of a uh, trickle of Spurs news, just enough to keep uh, Spurs fans' uh, appetite uh, fully satisfied. Oh well, good. Yeah, I mean, there was enough up until like because well, the Wizards didn't have a crazy off season, but you had the Otto Porter resigning. Yeah. You had John Wall resigning. The, those two things were spaced out enough to make it to get us through essentially july the last couple weeks it's been like all right um now what but uh <laughs> when, when they signed donald sloan to a camp contract that was big news for that week so that tells you uh that tells you where that's fire right there ben <laughs> <laughs> absolutely um but look obviously 
it's sort of, we were just sort of saying this before we came on. It's almost like a joke. I was joking with you that, you know, let's, let's break down this wizard spurs rivalry when it, so when they played this year, of course. it yeah. is literally, you couldn't have more two diametrically opposed franchises for the bulk of the last, well, I don't know, 25 years or whatever it is, or maybe mm-hmm. it's even longer than that. The wizards this year was the most wins they've had since the 1978, 79 season. And the Spurs have won over 50 games, what, 8,000 years in a row? Like, I mean, yeah, exactly. Pretty much since the beginning of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's definitely, it's definitely crazy, but it does sort of lead into my first question for you. This is sort of a big picture question. And that mm-hmm. is, uh, l- l- let me, let me ramble here at the start to get to the question. The, I used to have, um, this woman I dated back in the early nineties, she couldn't give two craps about sports, but I tried to give her a couple tidbits for almost like party tricks. And, <laughs> and one was, if you're going to start an NBA franchise, you start with Tim Duncan. And I think this was before the Spurs actually won a title with Tim Duncan. I, needless to say, I looked pretty smart when he won one soon thereafter, and then it kept going and going. And, you know, it's been, you know, uh, until this moment, it, even though Tim Duncan didn't play last year, it still feels like the Spurs are feeding off of, everything that he was sort of about this team. I mean, mm-hmm. Tony Parker and Manny Ginobili are still around to, you know, to, to some degree, Greg Popovich is still the coach. They were all key for most of that stretch. So it's not like everything has changed, but the loss of Tim Duncan to me was obviously, I mean, not just to me, to everybody. He's one of the five, 10 best players of all time. Right. He set the tone in every way, shape or form. If you were a new player coming to this team, you had to live up to what he was doing, similar to Tom Brady with New England. I, I always thought similar to what Ray Lewis did for the Ravens in, in Baltimore. But when you see these situations, to me, it always seems like maybe a year, there's like a year positive hangover. Mm-hmm. And you saw that last year with San Antonio. But I'm wondering, what, do you think we will look back at this past season? They make the conference finals. I know it didn't go well against the Warriors for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Do you think we're going to look back that last year, on some level, was the true end of the Tim Duncan era, that going forward, maybe the Spurs are not viewed in the same way. I mean, they didn't get any notable free agents this summer. They weren't they weren't surprisingly not a hot team for, for guys. It, it, I don't know. I'm not a big LaMarcus Aldridge fan. It feels like mm-hmm. he's passed them, so on and so on. Do you think we're going to look back at the Spurs, that that was the end to, of, of the Duncan thing? Or am I wrong? And like, hey, they got another 60-win season in them this year, and they'll be fine. No, I'm glad you bring this up because uh, this entire off season, uh, once it began, I was on record on Locked On Spurs and various other outlets saying that I think um, you're about to see the true transition there this coming season. And here's why I say that: uh, this is practically a brand new team heading into the new season, and it only gets better or maybe worse. You have Tony Parker who as of right now, isn't coming back till January 2018. You're relying on a sophomore, DeJounte Murray, to uh, lead this team, uh, this San Antonio team, uh, to the promised land. All right, there's that. Then you got Kawhi Leonard, who was all world and, you know, stud. But in my opinion, I think the Spurs are just a one-horse team. If you cut off that head of the snake, Kawhi Leonard, where's your offense and where's your defense going to come from? LaMarcus Aldridge hasn't really lived up to the billing, although he put up good numbers, and I think that gets lost in the shuffle. You know, I think what he did in the postseason or lack thereof uh, overshadowed exactly how decent of a season. It wasn't great. It was decent. Then you have an aged Pau Gasol. 
Then you have a 40-plus-year-old Mono Ginobili coming off the bench. You have a sophomore Davis Bertans that they're going to rely on next season. Oh, and then you have Patty Mills, who's back. And then, then you bring you draft a Derek White. Uh, you have a guy like Bryn Forbes. You bring uh, who is a great but you know, offensively gives you doesn't give you what he used to back in the 2014 run uh, for San Antonio. You mix all this together. You're about to see the Spurs go into a transition. Now, recently, I think it was ESPN or Vegas uh, released the over-under on the uh, win projections, and people have asked me, do you agree with that? I said, no, I think it's going to be under. They're they're barely going to get – they're going to get a shade over 50 uh, because they're in a transition team. This is a transition team right now. You're looking at it right now. Rudy Gay is now on, and he has a big question mark hanging over his head. He's coming off a huge injury that not many players – uh, can come back successfully from. Look at Brandon Jennings, for example. Uh, so. Oh, uh, you're not allowed to mention Brandon Jennings anymore on the Lockdown Wizards podcast. <laughs> um, my mistake. Okay, I'm, maybe can I throw in Kobe Bryant then? I'm teasing, teasing. <laughs> but yes, uh, yes, uh, uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, so, so this is a storm and you're gonna, this is a, you're gonna see Popovich really tested this season. Can he bring all these new pieces, these very young pieces, Older pieces, uh, together to really challenge Golden State, Houston. I'm gonna throw in there Minnesota and, you know, I bring that in because they're a lot younger and, and I think that, that youth is gonna give the Spurs some fits. Uh, Oklahoma City, you know, Paul George now and, uh, who knows what Denver does now that they got Paul Millsap. So, you're, that honeymoon period post Tim Duncan is over and now this coming season, 20, 2017-18 season, the Spurs rebuilding is officially underway and is moving away from the Tim Duncan uh, era. Yeah, okay. So, because that is sort of what I what I what I view from the outside. I, I want to ask you about Lamarcus Aldridge and maybe in another question. But yeah, I mean, it feels like with all these, I, I'm looking at a picture right now of the players on the roster, and I just look at these guys and I'm like, oh boy, what is who are the who are some of these guys? Exactly. But that probably would have done the same thing five years ago as well when they were, you know, competing with Miami to win the title. I mean, Danny Green kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, we all knew who Danny Green was because of cop because he already played in college. But in terms of the success he was having, that probably doesn't happen with any anywhere except maybe the Spurs. That's probably not fair to Danny Green, but you know, it felt like that way at least. But that's because everything revolved around Duncan Parker Ginobili. That 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 Aldridge isn't quite that guy. Like if the Wizards are when the Wizards are playing. The Spurs. I get Lamarcus Aldridge is better than Markeith Morris, but I'm not mm-hmm. that like some major issue. Like I said, we can get the Aldridge is another question, but yeah, it'll be interesting. It it, it, it does feel like one of these younger guys, uh, 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 Murray or mm-hmm. Kyle Anderson, somebody's got to step up to be more because right now it's just hard to see how they even have a have a chance to sniff with you know Golden State or or, or some of those other teams. If, uh, you know, heavens forbid, nothing happens, if anything happens to Kawhi Leonard, this team's in trouble. I mean, they are in major trouble. Uh, you know, everything starts and begins on both ends of the court with him. And, uh, uh hopefully, you know, the Spurs have brought in, you know, the top doctors, physicians, therapists, just to keep him healthy. Because, uh, Tony Parker, once he comes back, is not going to be the same Tony Parker whatsoever. Uh, Rudy Gay, again, the jury's out if he can come off that injury. LaMarcus Aldridge, I think LaMarcus Aldridge, and I know you're going to ask that in a bit, but uh, briefly, you know, he's going to be the same. I think you're going to get the same mark LaMarcus Aldridge you saw last year. And uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. 
Uh, this is a team fully in transition, and we're going to see what Popovich and the coaching staff, what their medals like, because this is the time they're going to be challenged to put together a team to challenge for a title in a very heavily loaded Western Conference. Got it. All right. Uh, enough hogging the, the, the mic from me. We'll have your, your turn. Ask, <laughs> ask a question, whatever you got. All right. Here's what I got. So, so when you look, uh, at the, uh, Eastern Conference and the landscape of it and you, you see what's been going on this, uh, this offseason, you got to the Cavs and, and the Boston and the Boston gets Hayward. The, you know, the, the, the trade finally goes down. Kyrie's now wearing green and white and, and Isaiah's over, uh, in, in the land with LeBron. As a Wizards, you look at the Wizards, you're like, okay, these two teams are looking like perhaps they might be the cream of the crop in the East. Do you think the Wizards are primed and ready to take down either of these two teams? Or do you think they're perhaps they're getting overlooked in all the talk of Cleveland and Boston? Um, I definitely think they're getting overlooked in the talk of Boston, although so much has changed. Like I, I, I was out in Vegas for summer league and I was part of when I was there, I was asking people, you know, league sources, as we like to say, mm-hmm. what did they think about the Wizards? Had the Wizards fallen back of Boston? At that point, the Celtics had gotten Gordon Hayward. They drafted Jason Tatum. And I'm not saying it was a universal take, but the general sense I got was that people weren't as sold on Boston as maybe the headlines were making it out to be. That right. they had given up a lot at that point, Avery Bradley and so on, to get to make the Hayward thing work. And then you get, you know, now the, the Kyrie Irving trade – to have, to have given up Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, and Bradley, I mean, that's sort of like the identity of what that team was, the sort of the underdog players with who got who, who figured out how to win with grit. Brad Stevens seemed to work like that. They have a completely different team. I, we'll see what they look like. I'm not convinced that that's going to work out for them the way everybody else does. I actually do think Cleveland got better, though, with that Kyrie trade, assuming that Isaiah Thomas is at least, you know, reasonable. Right. Condition. The Wizards obviously stayed pat. It's made for a, a, a somewhat boring offseason. You know, it, you know, everybody's making outside moves, and the Wizards got Jody Meeks, Tim Frazier, and Mike Scott. Not exactly the, the same as getting Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. <laughs> but there's something to be said for continuity. Uh, there's something to be said for knowing your you knowing your teammates and knowing what you're doing. Last year was Scott Brooks' first year. You would think he'll have a better sense of the team and, and, and all on his players. And so on. Uh, I've said this before. I think I think the Wizards, if they can jump out to a strong start, you figure Cleveland and Boston are going to have some uh, training wheel moments early on while they're getting the right. players going. If the Wizards come out with with intensity from the start, they've got a weird schedule. They, they have a Western Conference road trip like four games in or something. Um, we'll, we'll see. But I, I think if they can do that, I think they have a shot to be first or second. Early on, maybe they don't hold it, but I, mm-hmm. I, I think they're I think they're there. I, and and look, they didn't make big moves, but their starting five, four of the starting five are twenty eight and under. That includes Beals, Bradley Beals, twenty four. Otto Porter is also about twenty four. John Wall's twenty six. You'd think those guys will have have a jump in them. So um, I think they've got a shot. I don't think that ultimately they they they, they stay with with Cleveland in particular. Maybe Boston's got you know right. a little. Brad Stevens is a Jedi. Uh, so they probably have more, but yeah, I, I do feel on the one hand the Wizards are being overlooked, but on the other hand, they, it's a it's a, it's a it's a something of a high wire act. They don't have maybe they they, they don't have maybe that Kawhi guy they can one hundred percent 
like if they lose him, even if they lose John Wall, God forbid, the, the, I think they would have enough to compete. But the, the, their starting five, the bench is still very much of a question mark. That starting five is kind of everything. So it's a high wire act. But I think I think they can get there. But but now so I'm sort of curious what you think from where you're sitting when you look at how kind of the Wizards didn't do much this offseason and the headlines with the other two teams. What's your sense of the uh, of the Wizards? You already nailed it earlier, and your um, your answer is continuity. And I think as a guy who covers a team that a culture to preaches about chemistry, that preaches support intact and building off that, I sometimes non moves are the best moves. And I think this situation for Washington, I think it was good for them. If Boston still needs time, uh, does need time to get everybody on the same uh, sheet. Same goes for Cleveland, and like you mentioned about IT, you know, who knows when he's going to come back. Losing Kyrie Irving, a guy like of that caliber, is going to slow down their march um, early on. That gives Washington a team that knows each other, who's played with each other, who has Porter, Wall, and Beal, et cetera, et cetera, and they still there, to get a good lead, get a good early start on these uh, two teams that are, are – Reportedly, the best two teams in the East, uh, and I get uh, Washington to get out of the jump, and I and I think that's going to be beneficial for Washington uh, long term if they can get some be in the standings, uh, put a, some distance between them two, uh, the two teams of uh, Boston and uh, Cleveland. That'd be great for them. Uh, but I think that because you know once Boston gets rolling and Cleveland and the IT comes back and you know then then I think in my opinion everything's off the table now. Now it's like okay, Wizards, you you gotta just maintain control, keep on plugging away, and hopefully hopefully get that one or two spot and three spot in the uh, East uh, playoffs. You know I was noticing that. Uh... You know, there's different odds you can look at. You mentioned the win-loss total that one of the Vegas books put out the other day. Uh, Bovada always sends out odds. The Wizards and the Spurs are both third-best odds in their conference to win the conference. I mean, mm-hmm. literally contemplate. I mean, I, to say that, that that they haven't been on the same line for projections is literally a generation, at least. <laughs> I mean, it's almost crazy to look at it, but it does sort of tie into the my question to you and sort of, where the Wizards are. The Wizards are, in theory, going up. The Spurs are – it's not a nosedive, but it does – Yeah, it does, No, it's not, yeah. It does feel like it's going a little bit the other way. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. I mean, the, the one thing I'll say to, for the Wizards, they've been talking about fitness. They've been talking about – because they get they definitely ran out of gas late in that Celtic series. It, mm-hmm. The starters are playing a lot of minutes. It, it feels like they've been talking more about making sure that that doesn't happen again. So that – you know, talking about, you know, being better shape – what have you, you know, that, that's, that's the type of thing you, you know, I, I like to hear from a team, uh, especially one that had a really good year, but is tasted how, you know, they realize how close they were and want more. So I think they're on the uptick, but like I said, it's a, it's, a, it's still something of a high wire act depending on how the, uh, how the bench fills out. All right. Fire away, Ben. What you got for me? All right. So LaMarcus Aldridge, I was never the biggest fan of him in Portland, but that year he was a free agent. He obviously was, I think the biggest free agent that offseason. Yeah. But because of that, sort of how I view Gordon Hayward this offseason, because you're the number one free agent doesn't mean you're really a top 10 player. I've tried to make that point to people about Gordon Hayward. Very good player. He's an all-star. But he isn't necessarily a franchise changer, which is 
why I don't really think the Wizards fell that behind the Celtics just because of him. But Aldridge, I think that it did feel like, well, the Spurs are magical. The Spurs, well, he will turn into a spur. He will magically mm-hmm. become Tim Duncan in a lot of ways. And obviously, that hasn't happened. It doesn't feel like they should have, even with Kawhi getting hurt, it doesn't feel like they shouldn't have had as little of a chance as they did against Golden State, seemingly, with Aldridge out there. But he has just not looked anything like a guy who can really carry a team. And it feels like almost they need a another guy now to, to, to help Kawhi. But maybe I'm wrong. Am I, it, 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 do you view that Aldridge has been a disappointment, or is he, or is he basically misunderstood by sort of the NBA community at large as to what he really was coming in, and we put too high expectations on him? Uh, you're not gonna like my answer. I think it's um, a little bit of everything, and and I you you'll see where we're about to end this statement, this answer for you in a few minutes. So you take a look back at what he did in the uh, regular season. Okay, he wasn't that. Bad, despite the naysayers, he scored in double figures in 67 games in the regular season. He shot 41% from the three-point line. Yes, I know the amount. I get that, but it still shows accuracy. He had a team-best 18 double-doubles. He led the team in blocks with 88. He averaged 17 points per game, seven rebounds per game, two assists, 1.2 blocks, and he shot four from the field he was reliable from the free throw line at 81 percent, and he did all that in 32.4 uh, minutes per game uh so not bad but not great considering the amount of money that he got and the uh the chase the spurs gave him in free agency and he was and i think this is where this is where the beginning of the of the shade thrown at uh lma begin great numbers but look at the shadow he's following in Tim Duncan. He was touted as the replacement for Tim Duncan. And yes, there is no replacement for a TD, but he was the heir apparent. Uh, you saw him and TD on the covers of Sports Illustrated side by side, you know, the next guy in and Tony, Tim Duncan giving his blessing. So high expectations. Okay. So then comes the fact that he is no longer the number one guy anymore. He was that for a short while in Portland, then Damian Lillard emerged. He came into a situation where San Antonio had Kawhi Leonard, and everything begins and ends with Kawhi Leonard, not LaMarcus Aldridge. Okay, so his touches are going to go down a bit. Add the fact that he's now paired with uh, Pau Gasol. You have, uh, at that time, uh, Tony Parker, at least in the uh, postseason, uh, was arguably the Spurs' best, uh, second-best player on the court. Uh, you know, Pau Gasol, as much as people knock his age and his uh, reputation as being quote unquote soft, but he brought a dimension to the Spurs at that position that they use. And that was the three point shot. Pau Gasol was one of the better three point shooters in the league last year. Uh, Marcus Aldridge could, can't knock down the three with reliability as even though the numbers that may show. Uh, so it was just a storm of things coming together. And I think what tipped it over the edge was Kawhi Leonard going down against uh, Golden State with ankle gate, um, or Jaja gate, I should say. Uh, now, LaMarcus Aldridge, your reputation in Portland was you wanted out because you wanted to be the main guy. You wanted to be the number one head honcho, okay? Now's your chance to shine. Kawhi's out. Fizzle. Nothing. Didn't step up. 
his numbers dropped down a bit in the postseason. In 16 games, he went from uh, 17 in the regular season to 16 and a half. Uh, his rebounding pretty much stayed pat. His assist stayed pat. Steal stayed pat. But again, it wasn't that aggressive. His shooting was off. He was horrendous from the three-point line, 14%. He wasn't as reliable from the free throw line, 76% as opposed to 81%. Uh, yet he did all that in an increase in minutes at 33.6. So this is a storm of things that came together uh, for LMA, and it now shined uh, negative light on him. Now, moving forward, I think you're going to get the same LaMarcus Aldridge you saw last season because, again, Kawhi is going to be the number one guy, not LaMarcus. Okay? Uh, They're going to rely on other players next season, like a Davis Bertans to step up his game because he is a phenomenal uh, stretch four. Uh, We're going to see him perhaps having to adjust between the four and the five now that they brought in uh, new spur center Joffrey Laverne who was a rugged, do-it-all, you know, dirty player and get his uh, hands dirty. So I would caution people that are going into the new season with a spotlight on LMA to say, to temper expectations, you're going to get exactly what you saw last season, which wasn't that bad, Ben. 17.3 points per game, seven rebounds, two assists, 47% from the field. It's just, I think there was a, an expectation of LaMarcus so high and he didn't meet it and that was a big time uh, fall. Add, toss in the fact that Spurs try to reportedly uh, trade him on draft day to move up in the draft. In the draft. Uh, that that this that is just it is just a bad mixture. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny when you, say, you you mentioned his stats uh, last year. 17.3, 7.3 rebounds. And now I think, wait, what did Marquise Morris average? 14 <laughs> And 6.5 rebounds. It's, it's the amount of money he's getting, too. You throw that in there, too. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, Marquis Morris, in the Wizards starting lineup, he's like the fourth option. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, uh, with the Spurs, Aldridge is, you know, first or you know, 1A, 1B. Yeah, exactly. Look at it. So, so yeah. So, yeah, from the outside, it seems a little curious. So, But it does feel like he needs to be at a, at a legit high all-star level for them to have any shot, even mm-hmm. if everybody else is healthy. Because, you know, when you see what Golden State has and what Houston's putting together, it's just hard to see yeah. Spurs can win if he's not playing at, you know, beyond even All-Star. He's got, mm-hmm. like, he's, you know, top 10 or so MVP conversation mm-hmm. for them to have a shot from from, cool. from where I'm at. Yeah, Kawhi cannot do it alone. And uh, LaMarcus is going to have to be that uh, second guy uh, to spell. I mean, they, they brought in uh, Rudy Gay. You know, if Rudy Gay is looking good and like that ankle, I'm sorry, the Achilles injury is not giving him any uh, issues, then who knows if that's also going to detract from Marcus's touches as well. And if he puts up averages 15 points per game, and I wonder how the fan backlash or the NBA backlash, the media backlash is going to look at that. But um, I'm not, again, the jury's out on Rudy Gay, so we'll see. The impact of LaMarcus Aldridge for San Antonio next season coming off a subpar pedestrian uh, season. Uh, my question for you, Ben, uh, is this. Four years, $106 million for Otto Porter. I mean, I'm pretty sure were you pulling your hair out? Were you throwing your TV out the window? I mean, what happened there? No, I mean, um, that's a lot of money for Otto Porter. Nothing against Otto Porter. Nothing against him. Sure. Good numbers, you know. But that's that's franchise money right there. 
It's definitely, it definitely is. And like, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you look at it from the outside and I totally would understand why anybody, you know, there's a lot of people who questioned uh, the Wizards doing that. But there are other factors that had to be considered and why ultimately I don't think it was a, a, a big deal for the Wizards or a bad deal. What I mean, obviously we'll see how he plays with these sort of new expectations. The reality is for a team that just won 49 games, you know, if they had let, if they didn't match that contract and let him leave, forget the fact that they wouldn't have gotten anything back uh, from Brooklyn in that. He would have just left. But they didn't have any salary cap space to go do anything else. It's not like they could right. have taken that $106 million and spent it on Rudy Gay or anybody else. Mm-hmm. But they had no cap space. So they would have gone from a 49-win team to who knows what. And let's remember, in the in the calendar, that came a couple weeks before – John Wall signed his four-year extension. Does Otto, if they let Otto Porter leave, does John Wall stay? I don't know. He, John Wall saying all the right things about he he wants to spend his career here and all that stuff. Right. And he's putting it, you know, he's on the verge of doing that. But does he view it the same way if they let Otto Porter go? I don't know because, like I said, the Wizards wouldn't have really been able to replace that hole. So I think when you look at it in that context, in in one way, I think it proves good. But the other thing is. Otto Porter was was really good. What what Otto Porter lacks is he doesn't have that NBA highlight film. If you're watching from San Antonio and you're and you're watching Sports Center or whatever, and they're showing highlights of the Wizards game, unless mm-hmm. Otto Porter is, it's one of those games where he's making four or five threes, he may not get in the highlights. And even if he does, the things that make him the best part of this team are the subtle things that aren't going to be in the highlights. It's that. You know, despite being like a really skinny guy, he goes in and gets those offensive rebounds or tap outs. He's his his team defense is very good. He always seems to be in the right place at the right time for the loose ball or what have you. And he did, you know, he was leading the league in three point shooting most of last year, finished fourth um, after he tailed off. So, you know, I don't know if he's ever going to be a franchise player. The Wizards probably still don't have a three, a big three, even though Mm -hmm. he paid like one. But when you put it all together, I don't think they had much of a choice, and he's been improving every year. I, I, I think we may not look at it and say that he he was he they got totally 100% fair value on the tri- on the deal when it's all done. Right. But I do think they didn't have much of a choice, and that he ultimately was probably worth it when you look at their overall circumstance. You know, when I look at this, my first reaction actually relates to your previous question for me about LMA. Uh, that kind of money, and if he doesn't produce, will there be a, a Wizards backlash? Fan fan base, uh, media base, will it be Wizards? You just spent how much for this guy, and he had a string of bad games. You know, is this something that has been in the back of your mind? Is this something where you're thinking, oh my god, you know, Porter better step up his game because he's getting paid like uh, like an all star? Yeah, and you know, it's one of these things where if you go look at some of the deeper stats, like effective field goal percentage is not a crazy stat. But if you look at that stat, the the first four guys who led the league last year were all big men, and that's common, you know, because of the, they typically shoot a higher percentage around the rim. The, the, the Otto Porter was fifth. Kevin Durant was seventh. I'm not saying Otto Porter is as good as Kevin Durant, but he was incredibly <laughs> efficient. Watch out now, Ben. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you look at like true shooting percentage. You incorporate you know more of the the, the three pointers. Otto Porter was 
was seventh. He rarely turns the ball over. Like I said, it for the per, if you only sort of catch him on a fly, he's not going to blow you away. But if you watch game in and game out, all that he does, he's a very effective player, and he makes John Wall and Bradley Beal better. But yeah, now there's they need more. He needs to be that third playmaker. So when Wall and Beal sit, the offense doesn't crater the way it did last year. He needs to do more. That's part of that's part of the growth process. And uh, you know we'll see. But I I think ultimately they kind of didn't have much of a choice. All right, Ben, uh, what you uh, got for me? All right, so let me go. Let me go this. When you, when you have when when you're driving down the road, when you're having some random thought, a, a, an alone moment, and you and the Spurs pop into your head, do you think more of how do the Spurs catch the Warriors and perhaps the Rockets, or do you think, boy, how do the Spurs fend off Minnesota and Oklahoma City? <laughs> uh, my first thought is, how in the hell are this is this going to take down the Warriors? Um, the Warriors are just a different beast uh, from top to bottom, and you know the rich get richer in the off season, and the Nick Young and. They steal away Jordan Bell and the 2017 draft, and they're, but the whole crew is coming back. Um, even JaVale McGee is coming back. So, um, this, this, this Warriors team is a beast. And I, I was asked about this, um, I think recently in a different uh, show, and I had a different answer at the time. I, I, my answer was, is this season already over? I mean, is it going to be Cleveland, Golden State, or Boston, or Wizards? Or basically, you know, what everybody's thinking is Cavs, Warriors again. I mean, are we at that point now? I mean, does it really matter if San Antonio brings in Rudy Gay or if they swung for the fences and brought in Chris Paul and as they thought they were going to get? Is this still enough to take down this Warriors team? Does anybody have a chance against this Warriors team, let alone the Spurs in the West? Um, so, yeah, those are my thoughts when I think about uh, the Western Conference and where Spurs stand is and again of course the Spurs fans always give me uh, some uh, hate mail for this you know because I don't think the Spurs are equipped enough to take down the Warriors uh, I just don't think so the, there's too many questions surrounding San Antonio uh from health of players to chemistry uh to do they have the, enough weapons to take down this team uh, even Popovich has admitted in the past that this Warriors team gives him nightmares and you have to face them four times in the regular season and the possibility of matching up against them in the first, second, third rounds of the West uh, playoff run. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, the Spurs, this team can uh, take down the, the mighty Golden State Warriors. Uh, barring, uh, and I hope it doesn't happen to a Warriors player, but outside of some injury to one of their key players, I, I don't think this team, uh, this Spurs team, has what it has the personnel. To take down this uh, uh, Warriors team, despite the fact that Kawhi Leonard, before he got jajad, was just wrecking them, but in that opening of Game One of the Western Conference Finals. But I think even if the Spurs did beat Golden State in Game One, I, whew, you can't. I mean, would Kawhi Leonard duplicate that four times against a Warriors team where you saw a Kevin Durant improve his defense, where you have a guy like Clay Thompson, where you have a Defensive Player of the Year? Of uh, Draymond Green, and you're pretty sure, um, and then you got Steve Kerr, who has Spurs corporate knowledge. No, they would have game plan for Kawhi, and it would have been just as done, maybe in five games, a gentleman sweep, uh, rather than the four game sweep. Well, let me just ask you a quick, uh, quick part B to that, then uh, quick take on this. In terms of like 
from everybody in the East was excited that Paul George and Jimmy Butler left the East and went West. So in terms right. of Minnesota and Oklahoma City, the, with those two moves, which one from the Spurs perspective is, is the scarier? Paul George joining Russell Westbrook or Butler going to a team with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins? Uh, Westbrook and PG 13. Um, that, that's a little scarier for, uh, for the Spurs, in my opinion. The, uh, the addition of, uh, of Paul George, uh, with uh, Westbrook, uh, I mean, look, it, it begins and ends with Westbrook and OKC, and he's just, uh, he's just an animal. He's just a beast on that court. And he plays with so much ferocity, the Spurs do not have anybody to defend him outside of Kawhi Leonard, and Kawhi Leonard's gonna have his hands full with PG. 13. You're going to rely on a DeJounte Murray? You're going to rely on a busted up a Tony Parker when he returns? Uh, oh, and at the fact, too, that you have a Derek White, uh, Brent Forbes, uh, the list goes on and on. So he's just a one-man wrecking crew. You throw in there uh, PG-13, and um, it's just going to uh, give a little bit more headaches for San Antonio. They got uh, a team that uh, was pretty good despite losing Kevin Durant last season of uh, Steven Adams, uh, Cantor, uh, Roberson and uh, nothing to sneeze at for what Minnesota is doing and bringing in Jamal Crawford and you mentioned uh, uh, Butler. They're going to be good. You got Cat there and Wiggins, but at the end of the day, that team is going to probably need more gelling uh, chemistry uh, to set in versus a team uh, like Oklahoma City, who's uh, really seasoned vets and those are a bunch of young guys. I think the Spurs will have their fits, but they should handle them. You know, yeah, youth will be served versus San Antonio uh, once they play the Timberwolves. But when it comes down to it, I think Oklahoma City with PG-13 is uh, presents a bigger headache than Minnesota. Gotcha. All right. Uh, I guess we, uh, I look at the clock. Of shock. <laughs> I've gone over the amount of time I said we were talk. So. I'll leave it up to you. You can uh, fire one last question to me, or uh, we can uh, wrap this up. Uh, your, uh, your your call. You're the guest. All right, all right. I got one for you. I got this is my last one. It's kind of a fun one. So uh, the Mamba, Kobe Bryant challenged uh, your boy John Wall to be named NBA All Defensive First Team, and it looks like uh, Wall responded with a "Say no more, Kobe." Uh, do you think he has what it takes to do that? Great question, and it's one of these topics that I really haven't like touched on because it's like okay, whatever. Like that's like you know, I, I like at, at some level, I'm like yeah, whatever. Kobe said Kobe said words. John Wall said words. <laughs> John Wall this week somewhere told somebody that he's the best two way point guard in the league, sort of tying in to that. What I think is this: I think John Wall had a hell of a year last year. I think I, I know I, I would have maybe even put him top five in the MVP voting. He, I think he finished six. Um, great year. He, he was worthy of all the accolades. And, uh, you know, the Wizards don't get where they got without him. But the reality is their defense was really a bad for a good chunk of the year. And often it wasn't just the bench. The starters really struggled. And, you know, it's pretty clear when you watch the Wizards play, when John Wall is engaged defensively, they are engaged defensively. Sort of what I was saying before about how Tim Duncan seemed to set the tone or not, he seemed to. He set the tone for San Antonio. John Wall has that effect on the Wizards, but when he's not all engaged defensively, when the opposing point guard, whether it's Isaiah Thomas or some guy we don't even know who it is, is getting by him and getting to the lane and all that, that's where this defense falls apart. So he can, he does. I think he has the skill set, the talent, the size, the speed, obviously, to do it. 
it's the, the you, you got to do it though. And part of the issue, in fairness to him, is he was asked to do so much offensively that mm-hmm. I get it. Like it, it's pretty hard to play four, you know, thirty-eight, forty minutes a game, high end, both ends of the court. But hey, if you want to be all defense, legitimately, not just by a popularity vote, you want to do it legitimately. You really think you're the best two-way point guard in the league? You got yeah. to bring it pretty much all the time. Um, to, to to be that. So if he can do that, then I really think the Wizards have a chance to win over 50 games, 55 games, maybe, maybe even. But consistently, consistency has not been his friend on that end. That, that's the big challenge for him if he wants to be all defense. Yeah, you kind of stole my um, my second, my follow-up thought about that is that if he does be that defensive beast that Kobe uh, challenged him to, then yeah, I think watch out East and watch out Cavs and Wizards and Raptors and, and Bucks and so on and so forth because that just puts Washington on a whole different level. I mean, but it is a challenge. You got the likes of Kawhi Leonard and uh, Draymond Green and Clay Thompson and so on and so forth. You know, those are some of uh, uh, stellar uh, defensive players in the league but if a wall can do that he, that just expands his game to another dimension that i think is lacking he doesn't lack confidence he doesn't lack offensive skills he doesn't lack speed uh, uh and he's a he's, and in my opinion i thought he was, he was a good defender but man for for to up that was whew, i mean i would have known now now you're really pushing him into the elite point guards like Westbrook and, and, and Paul and in um in that level. So uh hopefully he does for your wizards uh be that defensive player that Kobe challenges him to. Well, we will see. I uh I, I meant to look this up. When did the Wizards and Spurs play? You you know off the top of your head? Uh, mm. I forgot to look this up. Not off the top of my head, no. Well, ben, is it bad that I but I tell you right now I don't really circle that game? No, no. <laughs> that's why it's so funny that we're like, yeah, I know. We're, we're talking to each other about this because like I said, over the last 30 years, it's impossible to view these two teams almost playing. They're not even playing the same sport almost. Um, but hey, you know, as it turns out, they are pretty close. Well, you know what? I just look, they don't play until March and they play and they play twice in the same week, but not until March. So we, we, hmm. we you and I may not be talking again for a few months, but, uh, it is what it is. We'll have, we'll have a much. I actually was, um, I actually was looking for you because I had to be, I was sent on assignment to a, a Wizards uh, Celtics uh, playoff game in Washington, and I for the life of me I couldn't find you. And of course, I drew a blank, and I and I think like, oh, I should email him or DM him. <laughs> I was just looking for a face. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I try to hide my face. You know, my face is for radio and podcasting, not for uh, <laughs> not not for public consumption. We don't want to scare kids. Um, but uh, yeah, if you uh, you know if if it works out, you find your way this way. I I don't I, I don't know if I'm making it to San Antonio this year, but uh, you know you never know what'll happen by March. We'll see, we will see. Well, good luck to your Wizards in the new season, and I hope they uh, you know challenge in the East and in the NBA Finals. Yeah, like I said, it'd be fun to see the Spurs keep going, but uh, we will see if Popovich has another has another run in him. All right, so uh, many thanks, Jeff Garcia. Follow him. Follow him. On Twitter at Jeff G Spurs Zone, and of course subscribe to the Locked On Spurs podcast. I know the Wizards don't play them a ton, but obviously Jeff knows his stuff, and the Spurs are certainly one of the more interesting teams in the league to see if they can, uh, you know, get you know have another gear and, and get up there to challenge uh, the Warriors. Of course, if you want to follow me on Twitter at Ben Standig or subscribe to Locked On Wizards. Jeff, again, appreciate it. Thanks to you guys for listening, and until next time, see ya. 
everybody just stuff Deal. Gets open for three. Dagger! Oh, Dagger!